Omus comportu info pompioi, ni tu fais l'amour, je vous disais pour qui, papa noue son vin en géri. That was Geraint Jennings from the Lofi Stagerie, and I'm Fiona Potany. You're listening to the Bailiwick Express's Christmas edition of its podcast. Flashback 100 years and Jersey people would still be waiting to tuck into their Christmas feast after the big day, nearly two weeks in fact. While the island now celebrates the festive season much like the rest of Europe, things used to be very different. One tradition, for example, that has died out is La Longue Vie... I'm going to say this wrong. (laughs) La Longue Vale. La Longue Vale. Thank you. Geran joins me in the studio now to tell us all about it. So, what is La Longue Vale? What kind of festivities did it entail? Well, what happened in the 19th century in Jersey was uh, imported traditions, quite often from uh, England, but also via England from Germany, such as the Christmas tree and uh, other traditions like the English-style Christmas pudding started coming in, uh, especially into town, first of all. Uh, whereas older traditions were kept to much longer uh, in the countryside. And so you had quite an overlap. And uh, so, in fact, um, that's been going on for quite a while because um, the Christmas season was actually quite long in Jersey, partly because of the agricultural uh, society with a fallow season in midwinter when there wasn't so much uh, work to do in the fields and also because of the change of calendar at the end of the 18th century, towards the end of the 18th century, um, whereby uh, dates moved and the Gregorian calendar uh, was brought in. Um, And um, so for most of the 19th century and into the 20th century, many country people continued to celebrate Old Christmas Day on the 6th of January, partly why everyone was having such a um, a dozy time um, in 1781 when the French landed and invaded the Battle of Jersey <laughs> because many people were celebrating Christmas still at that time. So it was a long Christmas period uh, involving two Christmases, uh, in effect a proper church or chapel one on what became the 25th of December and then uh, the second old Christmas Day in January Um, So the Christmas and New Year um, festivities sort of blended into a long um, Christmas season. Think of the 12 days of Christmas, and that pretty much gets it. But the Christmas and New Year season started off with La Longue Vale, the Long Watch. So it was the custom for um, uh, country families to get together and have community evenings where they'd sit up late and have um, some dancing uh, in the kitchen, uh, dancing around um, the big parlour, whatever the room they were in. Uh, The women folk would be gossiping, presumably, (laughs) uh, matchmaking, um, doing their knitting or needleworking. Uh, The men folk would be perhaps chopping wood for the fire. And it was an opportunity for the young folk, the young men and the young women to have a rare chance of getting together and socialising in a formal setting within the families. Um, So these would be got together and say for quilts or larger 
um, craft things. Um, Neighbours would get together, as they did for the big agricultural um, events like the big plough or the threshing. They'd get together and join forces. They'd also join forces for these evening parties in the winter season. But it was especially important on the 23rd of December, La Longueville, because the 24th of December was the big Christmas market in town. So they were getting all their bits and bobs finished Yeah, yeah so the, the ladies would be finish up, finishing up their bits of needlework, which they'd be bringing in to sell, uh, men packing things up, some woodworking perhaps, uh, whatever craft work or, or things they'd be bringing in, as well as some of the, um, uh, the root crops or whatever they would be bringing in to sell in, sell in terms of food to the townsfolk or to, of course, their fellow country folk who were coming into market. And that would be, for many country folk, the only time they'd come into town in the year would be for the Christmas market. A big day out. (laughs) On Christmas Eve. Uh, Men would be more likely to come in uh, for regular regular markets, um, cattle markets, or exporting potatoes, uh, other produce. But especially for the women... This was the big day out into the big urban centre um, because, uh, of course, you know, in the old days when so many women uh, lived more uh, restricted lives centred around the home and uh, not able to go out so much independently. And it must have been an especially important time you know, for the young women, especially when it was their first visit into St Helia, into town, to the Christmas market and the people they'd meet and the things they'd see and they'd know that they wouldn't be going back into town for another year. Mm. And you mentioned they, they're they getting all of their crafts ready. What type of things would they be making to bring into the market? Uh, well, it might have been you know things like clothes pegs and those sort of traditional uh, things, but especially um, you know, the knitted goods, the embroidered goods, uh, and especially you know, those long winter evenings you know, chatting away and sewing away and doing something special, adding that value, showing off your 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 needle skills, and it's and for the young women, this was um, considered one of the um, domestic skills um, that you'd um, show off, and mothers would show off their daughters' needlework skills because um, that was some um, part of the matchmaking. Um, you know, these are the skills that the the young woman would bring to a marriage. Uh, in terms of make do and mend and turning out, you know, her, you know, her man, the men folk, the children, uh, in the clothes she'd make uh, and mend and um, present to be respectable, to have prestige, and all that sort of thing, which was, um, you know, uh, traditional uh, in, in the old days. In the old days, but also. Yeah, this was a chance to start off the Christmas festivities, to have fun, to get those things finished, get them packed off and prepare for the big family community trip into town to the Christmas market when hopefully they could sell that stuff and also buy the things they wanted, all the things other people had made, all those little um, knickknacks and whatever uh, to um, go over the um, Christmas and New Year season and also see them in um, to um, you know the following year in terms of um, new clothes, uh, new items, uh, perhaps ribbons, jewellery, adornments, uh, which would be good because there's a special New Year superstition that if you put on anything new on New Year's Day, 
that would bring you luck for the rest of the year. So it was a good good idea to buy new stuff you know, at the end of December and then put it on for the first time you know, on New Year's Day. But there were things which were unlucky on New Year's Day in Jersey. One, you should do no washing. Right. So because, <laughs> That's a relief. <laughs> uh, so no washing um, because uh, you risked washing away a member of the family within the year. In any case, it was considered uh, bad luck to do any washing uh, of clothes, any laundry on New Year's Day. And also, I'm afraid it was a bit sexist in the old days, even more sexist than I've already mentioned. It was considered bad luck if it was a woman to be the first person over the threshold on New Year's Day. (laughs) So you needed to ensure it was a man. Your first visitor, the first person across the threshold of the home, was a man, not a woman. So um, hopefully now everyone's welcome, whoever arrives on on New Year's (laughs) Day, and um, we don't bother so much about uh, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, there were other things you shouldn't do, because on... um, uh, when you arrive back from market, from town, wherever you've been, on Christmas Eve, um, do not go into the cow shed to check on the cattle around midnight because it was believed at midnight on Christmas Eve, as it turned into Christmas Day, uh, the cattle knelt down in the cow shed in adoration of the birth of the Saviour. But you shouldn't go and try and see this uh, see the cows kneeling down in adoration, see this magical thing happening, uh, because it was very bad luck and um, you risk being uh, struck dead. The other belief about midnight on Christmas Eve going into Christmas Day was that um, all water turned in that instant to wine. So you, um, if you were getting water from the pump or getting water from the well or water from the stream, it would turn into wine. Of course, other people believed something completely different was that it turned into blood. Right. So um, it was quite a risky thing. One slightly thing. more pleasant than the other. Yeah, so going out, going out to um, collect water or check on the cows at midnight as um, Christmas Eve turned into Christmas Day you know, was definitely something which was considered uh, you know, girded around with tradition and superstition. Well, on that note, what type of things would people be drinking? Was there a special kind of Christmas or New Year's drink at the time? Uh, well, of course, most people in the countryside drank cider. They'd make their cider, of course, in the in the autumn and have a you know a stock of that. And of course, having made black butter, black butter preserves all the sweetness uh, of the apples throughout the um, uh, winter season when no fruit is available, because of course, in the days before fridges and freezers, and things being flown in or shipped in, you know, from abroad, you had to deal with what was seasonal. So um, very much um, uh, cider, uh, perhaps heated cider with spices, chaudé, which is um, like a a Jersey eggnog uh, with um, warm cider uh, and milk warmed and egg and spice beaten together into a a sort of a frothy, um, cidery, milky, eggy um, drink. I like it. Other people are not convinced. (laughs) Um, and of course you'd have, um, you know, um, things like pichette, um, raisin wine. Um, so you'd, uh, steep, uh, whatever you'd preserved, you know, in, um, alcohol and, um, 
you know, store this up for the winter. Um, uh, Yogue cannelle, uh, cinnamon, um, spirit. So using flavorings you had, you know, to preserve, you know, things. And of course, the traditional thing was to have your, your mug um, of cider or whatever and to heat it up with the poker from the fire and heat that up as a, as a warmed drink. Um, Lovely. So and what might uh, people be eating? I'm assuming that maybe turkey and all the trimmings wasn't necessarily... Well, the, actually, the... actually, turkeys came in fairly early. Oh, right. And we have the, um, uh, we have the old saying, um, um, uh, So geese at Michaelmas, which is the end of September, and turkeys at Christmas. So people might eat um, goose. Uh, it's very much the goose season. And if you think of Dickens, of course, um, in England, of course, geese were uh, traditional. But turkeys were, you know, were kept and eaten. But what was most traditional for most Jersey people, you know, into the 19th century, especially out in the countryside, would be either roast beef for Christmas, but especially roast pork. Because having fattened up the pig... Uh, it would be the community or family slaughtering uh, in the week or 10 days before Christmas. Uh, so you could have some reasonably fresh meat and then you'd be salting the rest, you know, making sausages or whatever uh, to use um, uh, as much of the pig uh, as possible. But certainly, um, um, you know, uh, pork, you know, for Christmas was the treat and then salted pork kept you um you know fed and provisioned um through the dark and what type of dessert might we follow up with right well people um fruit um pears would keep um chaumontel pears were a a speciality and people would also be looking at hazelnuts codred apples of course would keep uh into the season so eating apples as well Uh, apple pies bordello the um pastry dumpling Apples um, baked in the oven, very traditional. Uh, people would make mervel, Jersey Wonders, uh, for Christmas. Uh, rice pudding, very popular, uh, du podin de riz. And that's um, very popular across Normandy as targul, the traditional uh, Norman rice pudding. Uh, because rice was brought in because of the trade, because it was quite good you know, ballast, as it were. And you could <laughs> easily fill you know, fill whatever space you had up with rice coming from, um, you know, the east with other produce uh, and then unload it. So rice came in, you know, um, it's not as exotic, it's much more firmly established uh, than it was, of course, rice pudding with lots of milk. So again, it's that, um, you know, uh, if you've got cows, you're drinking milk, you're, you're, you're doing that. So um, vegetables... Um, a lot of parsnips, very traditional at Christmas, because parsnips are a very traditional crop. Uh, special ploughs in Jersey for ploughing for the depth, for planting parsnips, which is why the community comes together for the big plough, because you need the depth of ploughing for parsnips. So you need a bigger plough, so therefore you need the community, various farms to come together and in turn uh, use the big plough with the extra horses required as a community uh, effort. So, um, with the agricultural round of the year, uh, you know, you're you're preparing, you're planting, you're harvesting uh, 
and then preparing for the um, uh, the darker winter months um, to ensure that um, you've had a good harvest and you can see your family and your community you know, through and also enjoy it even though there's very little fresh uh, in terms of um, you know, what to eat. And of course, as the 19th century you know, went through, you had um, the traditional English-style Christmas pudding to replace the older uh, pudding de noir, the pudding de fure, which is a, um, a lighter steamed pudding, doesn't need to be done in advance. So you can make it at the last moment and just steam it for a couple of hours uh, on the day. It doesn't keep like an English-style Christmas pudding, but you can do it at the last moment, and that's traditional. And, of course, with cream, you know, that um, definitely means um, you're using those dried fruits, the spices, and uh, a slightly lighter, golden, steamed-type uh, pudding rather than the very heavy uh, keeper, uh, which must be made in advance and left to um, mature of the English-style uh, Christmas pudding. Sounds like a lovely alternative. Uh, what might we be hearing in the background here? What type of uh, Christmas tunes might be the soundtrack uh, to the festivities back then? Uh, not Christmas carols um, traditionally uh, in the, um, uh, as they're so well known now. Uh, they started coming in, being brought in uh, from uh, English tradition, really, uh, in, the, uh, in the churches and chapels. Uh, but not so much at home. It would be the traditional dancing tunes uh, and uh, the traditional instrument heard would be the shifurni, the hurdy-gurdy, which was the accompaniment for um, dancing. But there'd be many chapel families which did not approve of dancing, especially on religious occasions. Um, so um, we know some dancing went on, but it wasn't considered very respectable. And we certainly know of at least one very non-respectable dance um, you know, which was done on these occasions and um, uh, you know, wasn't to be really discussed in polite society. What type of dance are we talking about? <laughs> um, well it's sort of it's, um, it's, it's rather odd um, rather odd dance involving women tying their aprons around their legs and therefore, then sort of hopping around the room until they fall over in a sort of a, a heap. It's um, it's like a, a dance of misrule and implies implies sort of um, I, I don't know, sort of um, love charms and um, you know, uh, you know, things you shouldn't be doing. So we know some of this went on, and that's some of the difficulty because um, obviously some of the imported traditions are well. Uh, recorded and described, uh, but some of the traditional ones were sort of kept within families and people knew and they did them, but they didn't write them down for publication. So, um, you yeah, know, reviving some of these uh, traditions, sometimes we get a mention. And we know that um, there's at least one mention of um, people being wished um, uh, a, a happy old Christmas day into the 1920s in the newspapers. So it must have gone on longer than that. And uh, there's also a mention that um, children were out begging for their Christmas treats. Mornway in St John into the 1950s. We know this was still being done in St Juan at the um, end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, up to the First World War. But this was a tradition that um, at Christmas, after Christmas, New Year, 
uh, children would go around the neighbourhood. It's basically like um, trick-or-treating, which is done at Halloween now. But children would go around from house to house of the neighbours and there'd be a chant, Nuen, Nuen, Mon Nuen, S'il vous plaît, a morse de gorge, s'il vous plaît. Christmas, Christmas, my Christmas, please. A piece of cake from the end of the shelf. <laughs> so they basically they'd be begging for leftovers from the Christmas feast from the uh, wealthier or more well-to-do households and um, begging for um, you know what was left over. And one has to assume that as with trick or treat, you know the families of the neighbourhoods would um, be sure to have something prepared for the um, local children. You know whether it was a bit of cake or whether it was um, some pastries or. Uh, some fruit or or whatever. Uh, certainly, this um, you know tradition of visiting uh, was something which was kept up in country areas. Whereas uh, in the nineteenth century, it was these the urban traditions in town. Children growing up in town were much more um, you know, uh, you know are familiar with the Christmas trees and the decorations and these sorts of um, English customs. Uh, coming in, although some of the French customs in terms of um, epiphany um, were familiar, and so you had the English traditions coming in, as well as the French traditions of epiphany tying up with the old Christmas Day and the traditional you know, uh, Christmas celebrations in Jersey. So very much a uh, a mixture, and obviously families would have their favourite types of tradition and if they were visiting they'd enjoy their uh, different things with so many sort of mixed families with either French, uh, Breton or Norman um, members of the family, English, Scottish, Irish, Welsh, whatever members of the family are all bringing to the mix and nowadays of course uh, we have um, you know other traditions and interestingly with um, uh, Orthodox Christians, now um, significant among our population, uh, those who celebrate Christmas like the Russians and uh, some Belarusians uh, on the 7th of January are helping us remember that um, Old Christmas Day uh, also used to be in January for us. <laughs> and if, if there was one old Jersey Christmas tradition that you could bring back and uh, take to the whole island, what would you choose? Uh, I think it would be the Christmas chant because that would be very easy to, um, you know, introduce to um, carol singing, uh, the the old seasonal chants about Noël, 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 s'il vous plaît, and Borse Gauche, s'il vous plaît. So just if you can chant that along with the Christmas carols, you can have something new and just having something simple, a phrase which is tells us about what people used to do, but also is a wish to have our piece of cake, our leftovers from off the shelf during the Christmas period and to be like a, uh, a, an old country child uh, from uh, all those years ago once again. And finally, can you teach us how do we say we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in Cherrier? Right, so um, Christmas in Cherrier is Nwe. Nwe. So the OU in Nwe is like the OU in Wayne and St. Juan. So it's Nwe, and we've got another one in Bwon, which means good. So there's two words in there. So Bwon Nwe, Bwon Nwe means literally good Christmas, Merry Christmas. 
And then under is the length of the year. So we'd wish someone a good year, a happy new year. It's buon anne. Buon anne. So buon we, Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, Good Christmas. E buon anne and good year. So buon we e buon anne. Geron Jennings, thank you. If you've enjoyed listening to this festive edition of the Bailiwick podcast, please like and share it with your friends, family and anyone else you might want to spread a little bit of Gerrier joy to. And if you fancy taking a deep dive into some of this year's biggest stories, why not listen back to some of our previous editions? You can find them in all of the usual pod places. The jingly version of our title track was I Shift My Weight by Luno. From me, Fiona Potney, and all of the Bailiwick Express team, wishing you a wonderful Christmas and New Year. Buon noi e buon anno.